In the name of God, Father, Son, and Holy Spirit. Please be comfortable. Stay comfortable if you're at home. I hope you're comfortable. There is, um, every time this passage comes around, uh, I'm at the end where Jesus says, have you understood all of this? And the disciples say, yes. I wonder if they were being truthful. And if they were, I wish they would come and preach. Because I'm not sure I understand all of this. Do you? Well, let's see what we can do. There is, um, you know, I like bumper stickers. I, um, I, I, I like the religious bumper stickers. And I have, this is kind of a, uh, I'm a little embarrassed to admit this. I even like, and maybe even especially like the snarky responses to the religious bumper stickers. So you may remember back in the days of the Left Behind series, uh, do you remember the rapture, hearing about the rapture? And, uh, and people would, you know, people who were particularly certain of their status uh, in, the, in the coming rapture, as beloved of God, they, they had bumper stickers that said, in the event of the rapture, this car will be empty. Have you seen those? Well, the, 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 the response to that, snarky and irreverent, was, in the event of the rapture, can I have your Mercedes? There was another uh, bumper sticker that I saw that I really liked the first time I saw it. It said, God is my co-pilot. And that makes a lot of sense, doesn't it? This idea that, that, um, that God's helping us. God is helping me get through this thing we call life. God is my co-pilot, sitting right next to me, riding shotgun. Until I saw the response to that bumper sticker that said, God is my pilot. Ah, you see the difference there, right? Pilot versus co-pilot. So who's really in charge of my life? Is it me with help from God, or is it God with a little cooperation from me? Now, I don't mean to start a, a war between pilots and co-pilots. I think they're both important. But it is the pilot, as I understand it, that um, is ultimately responsible, who's ultimately in charge, who knows the destination, and knows the route, and who is responsible and accountable for, for getting us there. So, if you've got to choose one of those bumper stickers, God is my co-pilot, or God is my pilot, which one are you going to choose? I can't, I can't read your lips, because I can't see them. So, if God is our pilot, and our destination is the kingdom of heaven... And we're passengers on the plane. How are we feeling so far about the journey? <laughs> mm -hmm -hmm. Maybe we're like uh, those disgruntled passengers who feel like they've been sitting on the tarmac all day long. Where's the passenger bill of rights? Shouldn't we be allowed to deplane? Maybe it's a bumpy ride. Maybe we're beginning to sound like the kids on the family car trip. How much longer? Are we there yet? Are we ever going to get there? 
Well, if we are having those thoughts about God is our pilot and the kingdom of heaven is our destination, in the midst of all that is going on in our world right now, and I'd, I'm not going to tick off the list because my guess is you're pretty well aware of it, and I don't want to ramp up your anxiety any further, it would be understandable, and I would suggest faithful to voice the words of the psalmist who says over and over again throughout those 150 psalms, how long, O Lord, how long? Which in this analogy is kind of like saying, are we there yet? When are we going to get there? Are we ever going to get there? How long, O Lord, to this kingdom of heaven arrives? Fortunately, Jesus gives us this Gatlin gun of parables to help us understand this kingdom, this kingdom, kingdom of heaven. And I think what he's saying is it's not about getting there, it's about going here. It's about this kingdom that is here now. But it may not look like we think. So let's see what, what Jesus does in these, these five parables. Notice first, though, when Jesus is talking about the kingdom, notice what he doesn't choose to explain and paint a picture for them and for us about this kingdom. I mean, he could have taken the Roman Empire as an example of God's kingdom. They would have all been familiar with that. The largest the world had ever seen. Invincible, powerful, pervasive. Why didn't he say the kingdom of heaven is like the mighty Roman Empire? He could have chosen the Roman army. Also powerful, invincible. He didn't choose that either. Instead, he says, this kingdom of heaven is like a mustard seed. Have you ever seen a mustard seed? Shannon showed me. We have a whole jar of them. It's about a thousand, and it's in one of those little bitty tiny little spice jars. The kingdom of heaven is like a mustard seed, small and insignificant. And yet, with time, with some effort, Look what it does, how it grows to give life for so much of God's creation. The kingdom of heaven is like, it's like leaven, so ordinary, so common. And yet, when used properly, notice how it spreads out and lifts all that it's around to provide nourishment life-giving nourishment. The kingdom of heaven is like a, a treasure hidden in a field that the rest of the world can't see. It's not obvious to them. They don't know it's there. But for those who do lay eyes on it, it's worth their entire life and all that they have. It's, the kingdom of heaven is like a pearl that this merchant who's been searching for this pearl all his life finds. The rest of the world doesn't know it's there. They haven't seen it. It's not obvious to them, but 
to the one who sees it, who's been looking for it, it changes everything. It's worth his entire life. This kingdom of heaven is like a net that we're all caught up in. Whether we deserve it or not, whether we respond yes or no, we're all caught up in it. And God, in God's time, will sort out the good and the bad from us. See, the kingdom of heaven, it is a destination and it is also a way. It's a way of being here and now. So we can't just sit in the back of the plane and say, are we there yet? We can't be impatient because we're not there yet. We can be partakers. We should be partakers of it even here and now. Now, how do we do that? I think it helps to hear Jesus saying, it's not about crossing the finish line first or having the confetti thrown on us because we made it. It's not a mountaintop. It's certainly not the top of the pyramid or a seat in the throne. It's small and seemingly insignificant like a mustard seed. It's common and ordinary like leaven. And yet, it's what a, one commentator called the invincible invisible, this unstoppable power that is life-giving and transformative for the whole world. And we know what that looks like. We have seen this treasure. We have witnessed this pearl. And it is worth giving all of our lives to this kingdom. How do we do that? By doing those small and seemingly insignificant things. By doing those ordinary and common things that do bring life and give a home for all of God's people. Maybe you've received some of that. I know you've done some of that. Those small and insignificant things like calling and saying, how are you doing? I just heard that you got this diagnosis. I just heard you're going to have to have this surgery. I heard about your grandchild or your spouse. Small and insignificant perhaps, but is it life-changing? Is it life-giving? Ordinary and common, like delivering some groceries or maybe baking a casserole? Can that really be the kingdom of God right here and now? Absolutely. So while we may be impatient, we are not uninvolved. While we may feel powerless, we are empowered to be agents of this kingdom. But we have to trust. Trust in the slow work of God because planting a mustard seed is not magic. The next day, it's not the greatest of the shrubs providing branches for all of the birds of the field to come and nest. 
And while I've never used leaven, I have heard on good, on good source that it takes a while for that effect to lift the flower before it can provide delicious, life-giving nourishment. So we do have to commit ourselves to the small and the insignificant, and we have to trust that it's going to take a while for that to fully come to its fruition. But if we remember that God is not our co-pilot, that we are not only passengers in the back, that God is our pilot, then we can trust in this slow and steady work of God. We can participate in this slow and steady, life-changing, life-giving kingdom of heaven. So I'll end by offering you this, um, this prayer by one of my favorite Jesuits, Pierre Talhard de Chardin, um, which, as I said at 8 o'clock, I'm so glad that my French can be captured and recorded for all the world to see and hear later. I hope the people of France and French-speaking people everywhere will forgive me. Fortunately, this is an English translation. It's called Patient Trust. He writes, and, and he was a, um, a Jesuit priest, but he was also a paleontologist, which I haven't done much research, but I, I got to think that that's, an, that's kind of a unique combination. Not a lot of dinosaur scientists and priests. You know, you, those career paths don't generally intersect. This is what he says. Above all, trust in the slow work of God. We are quite naturally impatient in everything to reach the end without delay. We should like to skip the intermediate stages. We are impatient of being on the way to something unknown, something new. And yet, it is the law of all progress that it is made by passing through some stages of instability and that it may take a very long time. And so I think it is with you. Your ideas mature gradually. Let them grow. Let them shape themselves without undue haste. Don't try to force them on as though you could be today what time, that is to say grace, under circumstances acting on your own goodwill, will make of you tomorrow. Only God could say what this new spirit gradually forming within you will be. Give our Lord the benefit of believing that his hand is guiding you and accept the anxiety of feeling yourself in suspense and incomplete. Do we believe that the hand of God is guiding us? Paul would say, yes, of course, we know this. All things work together for good for those who trust in the Lord, who are called according to his purposes. We can be patient to slow work of God, even in the face of famine and fear 
of unrest and disease because we know, we have seen, and we trust that nothing can separate us from the love of God in Christ Jesus, nothing. Brothers and sisters, we are on our way. We know the secrets of the kingdom. Let us give our lives to them. Let us trust in the slow work of God.